Thank you for 
me in your 
I worship 
You know, our, our doors are open. We say, come on back. But hey, we understand. But it, it's, it's going to get there. Praise the Lord. Well, remain standing. We welcome all of you uh, this morning. It's Communion Sunday, so you that are watching via the live stream, go get your elements if you're not prepared already. And again, uh, if, if you are receiving communion this morning, have not, if you're in the house, raise your hands. And if you didn't receive elements, if you're receiving, if not, then, hey, that's okay, because, you know, you, you know, you got to be in the right posture to receive communion. Um, and while you're doing that, I'm going to be reading from the scriptures here, where we have the, some, the core instructions, where we, we see what the, the scripture says about communion. It's one of the ordinances that was left for us as believers. And so it says while we're preparing to receive, and so, this is found in uh, Corinthians chapter 11. I better get there. I'm, I'm, I'm actually in the wrong place. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 11, for, at verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body of the blood of the Lord. But let a person examine themselves, then so let them eat. And it says, For this reason... For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner drinks judgment to himself because they don't discern the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many do sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So let's, let's do that. Again, we're not going to take a moment here as we pause in prayer to be religious. Just one last time, giving time for one another to search their hearts and judge their own self as we take of these holy elements. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we ask your blessing continually upon this bread and upon the juice of the cup, the fruit of the vine here, the bread, a symbol of your body that was broken for us. Lord, for the remission of our sins, we thank you, Lord, that when your body was broken, your blood was shed. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our great and only mediator. You are our peace. You are God with us. Lord, we thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. We thank you that with your stripes, we were healed. So Lord, we, it is fitting and appropriate for us to confess with our mouths and believe in our heart for healing in our bodies. Lord, we thank you for healing in our, in our hearts and healing in our souls. We thank you for healing in our bodies, from the top of our head to the sole of our feet. We rebuke, Lord, coronavirus and any like uh, disease. For, Lord, it is fitting and right, Lord, and we thank you for helping us in, in times like these, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We thank you for delivering us from all that is evil, every pestilence, every disease. Lord, we thank you for helping us. We worship you, Lord Jesus. You may break and eat all. Lord, we take up the cup following your example that you left for us, the blood of the new covenant, as this symbolizes, the blood that was shed for the remission of our sins, your blood that washes our sins as white as snow, your blood that purges our conscience from dead works, that we're able, Lord, to serve you, the living God, well-pleasing. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that in you we have eternal life. We live, and Lord, we do not die because of it. That though we leave this earth, Lord, we are standing before you face to face with the gift of eternal life. We thank you for it. We thank you for helping us today to continue to live our lives well-pleasing for you as we yield ourselves to you, walking by faith, not by sight, walking, living by the Spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for victory over sin, victory over the devil, victory over the work of the flesh. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, you may drink all. Well, you can repass your empty remains through the aisle and usher would come along and take it from praise God. We thank, come on, you're not clapping for one, we're clapping because, Lord, we thank you that we are the redeemed 
and we say so. Come on, say amen. Praise God. Well, you can take your seats. We're going to receive our weekly times and offering. If you're a guest in the house, no pressure on you. But if you like to support our ministry, it would be great. You're welcome. But his church members, you know what to do. All of our partners and who are streaming live, you know, there's, as we say here, you know, we don't pressure people in giving of their time, their talent, and their resources. That's what giving is all about. But the, the essence of giving found in 2 Corinthians as we're preparing to give, there's a screen that will come up, show you ways you can support our ministry. And we thank God. We are very grateful for all the, uh, the, the, the giving support of, of, pe- of the members and of people, and n- not just here, but those who support our ministry of their time, their talent, and their resources. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that whenever we do give, we shouldn't do it of a grudging nature. It says, so let each one give as they purpose in their heart, not grudgingly or, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make our grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So that's the essence of giving. You've got a purpose to give. The tithes is brought that way. Offerings go, it, it, we give offerings that way. We give of our time that way, uh, our talents that way. And base, in essence, if we're going to complain about it, might as well not give it, right? <laughs> so, no, so thank God for your generosity. Thank God. And so now that, you know, we... We're getting back into the way things should be, and we're believing for things to just open back up. So we need your, your, your talents and your resources and your time so we can get back doing the ministry of the church and ministering to the, 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 the babies and ministering to the children and ministering to the youth, doing outreaches, going, getting back out there. And that requires the giving of people of their time, their talents, and their resources. Come on, say amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet as... We stand in honor unto our God as we pray over the offering, as we continue to pray, because we, we just came out of, you know, been, I've been talking a lot about uh, our, our Christian life in reference to spiritual warfare and prayer, and how prayer is so essential to us. It's a, it's a gift of access, and we, we got to get out of the place where we just treat prayer of God, I need something. Now, that's part of prayer, but it's more than that. God gave us this gift of access to come and commune with him and, and to, to a, a fellowship with him and to engage and be one with him, and that's the Christian life. It's a spiritual life. We're in the warfare. There's, we're not gonna, there's certain things that we, that we, unless we get into the spirit and learn how to live that way and fight that battle, we're just not going to win. Our victory is in the realm there with God. We win there, we win here. Come on, say. Whatever you bind on earth should be loosed on earth. Whatever you loose on earth should be, you know, should be loose there. You bind here, loose. See, you see that connection? And so I encourage you to go back and listen to those things. Get that word out, you know, in your time of devotion. Listen to those messages. Go to those scriptures and pray over them and, and asking God, Lord, grow me up in the spirit, you know. Grow me up in the spirit. Uh, in my time and generation, because we need it. There, there's, there's, the, the war is, is, is waging. We see it. And unless we get God's picture on this, we're going to have a hard time dealing with it. Let's pray. Lord, we, we, we thank you, Lord. May you receive what we give continually. Our lives and living sacrifice. Lord, our tithes, our offering, our resources, our talents. We thank you, Lord, for 
your blessings you pour out upon us. We thank you for rebuking the devourer for our sake. We thank you, Lord, for helping us continually, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, go ahead and take up your Bibles. Let's make a good confession together as we get into the Bible teaching for this morning. I said, are you ready? Well, that's about two of you. Of course, I can't hear you at home. That's why you need to come on back so we can hear you and, you know, see you and, you know, you know hey, even if you're still ready to give a fist bump, at least we can touch you. <laughs> come on, let's shout it out and repeat after me and say, I believe the Word of God. Come on, say it again. Say, I believe the Word of God. Come on, say it again. Say, I believe the Word of God. And it is changing my life. Oh, yes, it will if you let it. You may take your seats. Well, I'm starting a new series titled this morning. Still, it's linked to what we've been talking about because this is also linked to, you know, this, this prayer life, this spiritual life. I entitled these teachings, God can do more than you can imagine. Come on, I want you to repeat that after me. Because, you know, I want you to repeat that after me. God can do more than what I can imagine. See, no, again, and then we're going we're gonna to put this in perspective because this is not, um, we're not going to shake it up like just some fancy title, like a lot of fancy preaching going on in the modern day church. And it's not really benefiting the person spiritually. I mean, it, it's, it can touch us emotionally. I mean, I can, I can preach in a way this morning, preach this in a way that can really entertain you. God can do more than you can imagine. And you will feel good. You will go out here, man, pastor, preach. I, I may even find a solution and a secret to get you to get your handkerchief out. I'm still working on that. How, do they, how can people say some of the stuff that not even in the Bible and they, people, I'm still trying to get y'all to do that. I, I'm still working on that. But see, here's the problem with entertainment. Entertainment is only temporal. Think about that. You go see a good movie, wow, man, that, that, that was good. But after about six months later, it's like, psh, it don't hit you anymore. You don't want to see it again. See, coming to church should never be entertainment, even though we, we, there's an element of our, our nature in that. So, I want you to say that with me one more time. God can do more than what I can imagine. So, you know, we got to stop limiting God just to our imagination. But that statement doesn't mean that God's just going to do anything you imagine. So there's some teachers coming out because you name it, you know, no, because you say it, you know, that you can't go and claim somebody's house. That's not yours. It's not what this is talking about. Now, this, there's a central thing. Uh, throughout the Bible, and that central theme is the relational presence of God. We just sung a song that's really fitting. It ties in because in this teaching, I'm going to be talking about the presence of God. That is so essential to your prayer life because if, if my imagination and my idea of God is just limited to my religious experience or to what I know or come to know on the earth, then I'm going to have this mentality that God is way up there and I'm just down here suffering. And see, and, and that's a natural way to look at things, see. And, yeah, and so we, go, we got to get, you, you know me, we're, we're, we're a Bible church. I'm, we're gonna, he said, wow, I didn't know that was in the Bible. So I'm, I'm going to try to bring this down in a simplistic way without because we can get real theological and I'm, I'm going to give you some 
theological terms, but I'm just going to give it to you in a very simple way so you can grab, grab it. When we talk about God is omnipresent or he's transcendent, <laughs> you, know, or, or he's, you know, or what his holiness is, what does that mean? That he's not only omnipresent, but God is present with us. So how is it that God can be present with us? and be omnipresent and everywhere at the same time, and that he's also transcendent. See, those are theological terms, but I'm going to break it so your mind's like, Pastor, I, I don't know what omnipresent. So we're going to talk about that this morning. So, but this central theme, when you look through the Bible, through Genesis, and I'm just going to give you a little bit as I introduce this, this, uh, this teaching, when you look to Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, you see this central theme that runs through the Scripture of this relational presence of God, God present, relational, in relation to man. And it begins in Genesis, in creation, and in the garden, all the way through to the book of Revelation, to the coming of the new Jerusalem, to, he- to the new heaven, and to the new earth. But when we see Adam and Eve sin in the beginning, what we see, one of the key issues, is they were removed from the physical presence of God. Think about that. Before Adam sinned, he was able to stand in that form, in the physical presence of God. But when he sinned, the issue became they were removed from God's presence. Come on, am I right about it? See, and, 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 and because of Adam and Eve and the, uh, what we see there, we, we see that since that time, sin comes in as a result. Judgment comes in as a result. And because of sin, it, prevent, it prevents our ability now, right now, to stand in his physical presence. But yet out of God's mercy and grace, God says, you know what? I'm going to be present with you. Even I'm going to do, do something. I'm going to do a wonder in earth. <laughs> <laughs> that, that body that what Adam and Eve did, I have a plan. I'm going to do a wonder that I'm, I'm going to be present with you. And then ultimately, the Bible talks about, we're going to lay this out, how death, where is your sting? I got this new body coming. I'm going to be just like the angels. I'm going to be once again, all things going to be restored. And fit. not only am I going to experience God's presence like we do it now, almost like through a glass darkly, we're coming in, we're fighting this battle of faith, struggling trying to get from this natural way of thinking and up into this spiritual uh, way of thinking. God calls us to now be a spiritual people, a holy people. What does that all mean? He calls us to be holy. Come on. And here we are. We're struggling. God, you're way up here, but here I am down here struggling. See, God can really do more than what you can imagine. And so... No longer being in his presence like that became the issue. From Genesis, now we see the man who struggles. He's no longer in the physical presence. The judgment comes in uh, to, to, to a man on the earth. Then we see God work to, there's a man named Noah. He goes, he sees Noah, and he works to Noah. And the ark, he engages Noah. And then he says, Noah, I want you to begin again because of, you know, what's that? So through Noah, we see this relational presence of God. God is still present in the earth. Now, even though man is not able to stand in the physical presence of God, but he's still in relational present 
to mankind. And he's, he goes to Noah and says, Noah, I, 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 I'm engaging you to begin again. And then we see, I'm just giving you a, I'm going to give you a quick skip through the Bible here. And we're going we're gonna to just really look at some verses here. Then he goes from Noah. The, the judgment comes. He says, begin again. Then God works towards a man named Abraham. You see that relational present. There's Abraham. See, again, what, even there, we can stop right there because this, we got a younger generation. Then we got this older generation. And the goal is, the world is, seems like well, they, they throw out things. Where is God in the midst of all this? God, why would you allow this? Now, I encourage you to go back and listen to a teaching in this last series where I talked about a little bit of why there's evil in the earth, why there's destruction in the earth. Why there's violence in the earth? Why is there a coronavirus in the earth? And that we should never ascribe that to God. We should never, you know, put that on God. And we looked at that God never uh, created a devil. He never you know, created the world, you know, in essence for a devil. So go back and listen to that. Because we'll be here all night if I try to go back and rehash all that. So we see this Abraham. He works through Abraham and established with Abraham. See that relational presence there? See, God... So what, what, what are you seeing so far? God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be with you. He, 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 he loves his grace. And although man sinned and rejected him and, and hurt the heart of God and God judged him, God still out of his mercy and grace saying, I want you. Abraham. He established his, problem, his promise. It wasn't just for Abraham. It was, just, it was for you and I. Right. Then we see that leads to a man named Moses. And then through Moses, God's law is revealed. <laughs> and then we see from, the, the, from, from that time... Through the Ark of the Covenant, we see the establishment of this covenant. What we have now, they, now the old covenant, and then the building of the temporary tabernacle, where God comes down the the the, the tabernacle and the temple, where His presence enters in at the Ark of the Covenant. But it was temporary. What does God do? We see the we see this relational presence of God throughout Scripture. I'm just trying to show you this so you can connect the dots when you're going to get, you get the, ah, I understand uh, that God is with me. <laughs> it's not just that he's way up there and I'm down here struggling. He's with me. And if I really understand that this is key to my prayer life, if I really got this revelation, I will pray and talk to him all the time. And he's not just this God that's way up there, <laughs> Jesus. And I'm down here struggling. God knows our struggles. And, I, I, and I'll show you at times that when we talk, when we look at this, understand about the omnipresence of God is present, that how God is sovereign. God is present everywhere all the time. He is with us, but he's over there in the Middle East too at the same time. He's over in Israel. He's in Africa at the same time. He's in Europe. He's in Japan and Asia, you know. And our brain goes tilt. How is that possible? But see, no one upholds, upholds God. There is no beginning with him or end. He is, he was, always will be. Infinity and infinitum, forever. 
<laughs> he can be, see, only God is, see, see, God is the only true transcendent being. The only true transcendent being. And I'll, I'll explain what transcendent means biblically here in a the, in the moment. He cre- that means he can be in the future present, be present in the future, at the same time be present here in present day and, and, and be present in the past. Only God can do that. And uh, I have a dear relative who struggles with this whole, that with, when it comes to God with it. He's a highly intellectual individual. I mean, very fortunate one, you know, intellectual. He's fortunate in the brain. Yeah, I say it like that. <laughs> I mean, he's just for. I, when we were in school together, I'll just say he's one of my relatives. When he was in school together, and he's younger than me, I used to get him to do my work for me. <laughs> I realized, man, you know, man, he, he, he got it in the brain. And back then, I don't know why they did this when I was a little weird. I don't know why they put us in the same. We, we were in different grades, but they were putting us in the same classroom at some point. You know how the te- ta- teacher taught everything? How many is old enough to know what I'm talking Some of you are like, they, they don't do that now? Oh, they say, and so the teacher noticed that he's doing all your work, so they separated us. You know, So I had to do some study at that point. But when it comes to that, he had it. Man, he just had it. He went on, became, you know, this big time, you know, but he always, even when I can remember him being young, always questioned, if God is God, why we allow all this evil in this world? I can remember having conversations in my youth with him, and to this day, it's been a plaguing uh, struggle in his soul. What did I do? See, he, he said, what did I do so bad to deserve the trouble in my life? See, and people struggle with that in many different ways. And we, we do that when we don't, because we don't, we don't, we have never seen God. We, for the most part, wouldn't even know God or don't have the capacity to even try to know him without him revealing himself to us. And we have to understand that one thing, that we are created. We are limited. (laughs) And we only know what we know. (laughs) And that's that's why God, we see this relational, God knows this, I created, so God constantly reveals himself to man. The problem is, to my relative, do you accept his truth? That's the problem. Do, do you accept his truth? Now, he very good at mathematics. For him, mathematics is absolute. He says, mathematics is absolute, but this is not. <laughs> see, that's the problem with man. If I, what, 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 what I taste, he touches it. But here it is, God, this relational God we see here. We see him dealing with. Now, let's, let's come on, track, track with me. When he goes to Noah, was there evil in earth? Was there chaos in earth? When he went to Moses, was there chaos in the earth and the evil still there? Even after God said, begin again, Noah, did it still happen? Uh, and, and so we, we got to ask, was this God's fault? Why is there? 
constantly, even when they begin again. Why did it even get worse? Now, when he went to Abraham, was it there? Was there still evil and corruption and, and stuff going on, pestilence in the land, wars? Was it there? Slavery? Was it going on? Presidents and all those kind of things? Was it going on? Come on, come on, talk to me. See? When he gets to now the tabernacle, the ten temple, and after, you know what came after the temple? Jesus came after the temple. And when Jesus comes, this relational God, he says, now I'm going to make it real personal. He comes down. <laughs> Jesus, his son, he comes down in human form. And when he came and was born of this virgin and manifested, was there still corruption and evil in there? So here's the thing. Let me just even pause right there. See, when we begin to question God like that, we're, we're, we're starting to now, that's, that's, that, that is saying, God, you're not holy. You're not sovereign. You don't have things in control. You don't know what you're doing. No, it's the one that says that, that, that that's like that. And you know what? My heart goes, because that's just the nature of man because of what Adam and Eve did in the beginning. But God says, I want to be with you, and I want to be with you, and I love you so much that we see his relational presence throughout Scripture, and here comes Jesus. And then, see, now this is where it's going to just hit you, hit you right here. When, and then when Jesus come, came from the temple to Jesus, and then from Jesus to us. Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So now here we are, God is saying, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? When you become born again, when you say yes to Jesus, it's now Jesus saying, I, I, in, it's a, then we hear verses like, Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is so important for us to understand when it comes to living in the Spirit, walking by faith, our prayer life. I want you to turn to, now let's just add this verse, Matthew, you know, Matthew's chapter 1, verse 23. Now I gave you a, a, a quick, we went a, took a quick journey through the Bible there real quick. Matthew's 1 and 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Trans, it is translated God with us. See, Jesus Christ is God with us. What does that mean? See, God says, I come down, and he says that, he says, hear my son. We look at some verses where he's talking about, hear him, God with us. So now is already getting into that idea, God is just way up there, and I'm just down here struggling. <laughs> no, God, God has always wanted and desired a relationship with you. Do I want a relationship with God? He wants one with, with, with you and I, but do you and I, do we want one with him? And it's challenging, and people say, relationship with someone I can't see, you know, touch or smell. But see, when you look at Jesus, you see him. <laughs> the question is, do I accept Jesus? To accept Jesus is to accept God, really, the true and living God. And that's the problem. That's what Satan has done. That's the division in the world with all these religions and then to accept an idol, accept something else to try to get to God. The many paths that's been created to God. There's only one way to get to God. There's only one way to walk with him. Come on, come on, somebody help me out. It's the key. It's people, we can throw out these overused words, the, the secret, the success to your spiritual life. See, 
until I turn towards God and walk with him like that, like it was as we see almost the image in the beginning with Adam and Eve and in the cool of the day, you know, they, they walk, that image of them walking with God in the, in, the, in the whole form. But here we are now, we're able to, you know, experience his presence. You can, we can yet feel his presence. And he will be with us. It says that he is not, he is uh, Emmanuel. It doesn't mean he is God with you sometimes. <laughs> He's God with you sometimes. Is that what that says? Sometimes? God with us when? All the time. It should be that way. If God is with me, then, if God is with me, then I have hope. <laughs> if God is wi- really with me, then I have, I have a means of answers. If God is with me, that means I can win and overcome everything. If God is with me, then I can uh, get through this problem and this situation. If God is with us, then what is coronavirus? And then we can overcome it. If God is with me, if God is with me, then I can handle the challenge in the marriage, in the family, uh, and in and, and, and the marketplace, and the things that are coming down that's putting pressure uh, on us. If God is with me, then I have access then I can talk to him. Then I can embrace him. Come on now. As I can somebody help me out. All right. I don't think I'm going to get too far this morning, you know. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. Here's another verse. Let's add another verse to that. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. God, see, what are we dealing with? God can do more than I can imagine. He can do more than I can imagine. It says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You see that there? From the temporary tabernacle and temple, now it's talking about that God says, I want to make you the temple. And one of the, as we look at this understanding of the presence of God, the omnipresence of God, that the presence of God, as the Scripture describes, the Holy Spirit, in essence, is God's presence. And, and we'll see that in Scripture so that know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's saying that if, I, if, if he's Emmanuel and God is with me, if you're saved, if you're truly a believer, born again, then you have the, the, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in us. That's one of the promises. Come on, are, are you here? And if that's the case, that means God's presence is with me. He's Emmanuel, no matter how tough it gets. Now, God, as we look over history, at times may not reveal himself in one way to one as he would to another. And sometimes it looks like that God is not there, but yet he's there. And this is what we have to understand, that sometimes it looks like God, like we look at uh, uh, portions of our history uh, where it was very dark times and, and, and you know, a lot of violence, you know, in, in, in history and, and you, you, you name it. And we say, well, where, people say, well, where, was God, where is God? He, he's been there all along. So even though you don't see him or may not, you know, re- recognize that he's there, God is always working his plan. God is always in control. And this is what we have to understand. God is... You don't catch God off guard with your problem. 
God, do you realize we got coronavirus? God didn't say, you know, go and preach the gospel to the world, except when coronavirus comes, you go ahead and stop. It's like everything seems to stop now that coronavirus. You know, coronavirus is a, you know, I'd be glad when this thing, we need the Lord's help on this. This is why we got to pray. We got to seek the Lord and ask the Lord to help us and with this. We, we got to pray. Not, not picket sign. We, we need to pray. I mean, we, coronavirus, but we had chicken pops. We had polio. We, we can go down the list of things that came up in our society. God is always present. And, and, and see, again, it goes back to don't ascribe this to God. God, where are you? Don't walk that path. God is right here, right now. And all things is working together for his good. See, it's like Jesus. Here's Jesus. Jesus was treated horrifically, the Son of God. It was allowed. God didn't cause it, but he allowed it for a purpose. But they didn't see it. They didn't even recognize he was the Messiah. Their consciousness, their mind had to be elevated. And it, it couldn't be elevated by philosophy, by the religion of the, of the day, not by the Pharisees. We can say the, the modern-day church, at that, their, their modern-day church at the time. It took the spirit of revelation. Come on, are you listening? And this is what, how does this apply to me? This is what I need in my everyday, this is what you're working with your families and your marriage and these challenges that you face. Some of you, your, your children are still in school and they're rolling out things that are just coming up against your values and, and your convictions. You say, well, God, what am I going to do? He's Emmanuel. He's right there. Know you not that you're the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit? Make your request known to God. Intercede us. Time to pray. Time to give thanksgiving unto God. God is with us. Never get yourself in a place where you say, God, where are you? He's right here. He's, he's just a conversation away. <laughs> come on, somebody, come on, somebody help me out. See, see, there's many forms where he's just, I mean, it may be Jesus help me, like, like Paul, like Peter sinking on the water, a form of prayer, Lord, save me. Sometimes it's that spontaneous prayer and the moment, and that's all that you can say. And he's right there. You may not feel him. See, let, let's get out of this. Now, sometimes we feel, we, we can feel the presence of God, but he's more than a goosebump. Because even though you don't feel him, you may not feel him at times. He's right there. That's why it says things like, we walk by faith and not by sight. Every time we turn to God, it's by faith. And the privilege of that is when we do that, we get an opportunity to sense his presence. So do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You're, you're not your own. So again, it's, it's eaten into just this idea that God is just, just way up there and I'm just down here struggling. God says, you know, I've given you my spirit. It's a, my presence. Now let's, let's look at, again, before I, I go on and give you and start giving some of these points of understanding this presence and you getting this idea that, man, God is exceedingly beyond what I'm able to ask or think. Let's, let's look at some, some, a few definitions of the, of the presence of God. 
Now, the presence of God, when you see that in Scripture, the presence of God meaning that by virtue that he's talking about the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit is God's presence in the earth. If God, if the Holy Spirit wasn't here, we would not be able to sense God at all. Probably, you know, that's how God is revealing himself. It says, in the beginning, uh, the, God created the heavens and earth, and the earth was without form, and darkness was upon the faces of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the presence of, uh, of the, the, the surface of the waters. So when we, when we think about that, again, we don't have the time. We get into this. There's a lot of great division in the universal Christian church over the presence of God, over the Trinity, or, or who God is. And you get a lot of these different doctrines. But it's essential for you to have that understanding that comes by relationship with this, you know, this, relation, this relationable God who wants to have this relationship with you. And he gives us the understanding. So God, it talks about how God is is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the, God is the Father, God is the, and God is the, see, this is what the scriptures define about who God is, not saying that there's a three-headed God, as some will make it seem, or that that, um, God is, the Holy Spirit is just a force, some have twisted into that is the whole, when it speaks about the Holy Spirit, it's just a force. But no, it says that the Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead. And, it's, and then it says, verses, that all the Godhead has been invested in Jesus. In other words, has manifested himself in the human form, Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus is so essential. That's why you can't go to no other person to, to get to God. He's the only mediator. That's why Jesus said this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So when we're communing with God, when we're praying and we're seeking for answers, so we go to God in his name. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's just say, let me give you a parable on that. Let's just say it like that. Let's just say, I um, say I send my daughter, one of my daughters, and I said, I want you to go and collect something from, you know, this this place of, let's say I'm sending you to the bank and I want you to go withdraw from my account. And, when, and they, when they, if she just goes to the bank and says, hi, I'm my dad's daughter. I need $10,000. What are you going to say? I was going to say $10? No, no, no. Let's, let's do, I, need, uh, I need to withdraw 100000 from my dad's bank. <laughs> come on, think, come on, think big now. No, no. Well, I ain't going to say no $5. I'm, I'm just going to think big. And they're going to say, who are you? Uh, you, you, you? I don't see you. Well, I, I come in the name of my father, and here's the authorization. So they will give her that if she comes in my name with that authorization. Well, we, we come in the name of Jesus. <laughs> That's why you got to let it alone, devil. I'm not coming in my name. That's why it has to, to, to go. That's why I, I have the right to victory because I declare it in his name. See, <laughs> know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Know you not that you are the ambassador of Jesus Christ? That it says things like, whatever you bind on earth. See, this is our authority in the earth. That's why we have the, the authority to begin to pray for our nation. Lord God, in your name, Jesus, we declare your life and truth. We bind the works of the... See, we have that authority. 
or else we can just take care of it intellectually. <laughs> what are we, <clears throat> we going to do about this? We, we, we can stay right here. Oh, my God, my God. <laughs> or we can begin to disengage and pray. Whenever we get together, whenever we're out doing our thing, having a cup, when we say, hey, you know what? Let's pray. It says pray all the time. Come on, let's pray. Let's take a moment. Let's just, come on, stay in agreement on this thing. Let's rebuke this coronavirus. Let's speak the word of God that these things that come to hinder the, the spreading of the gospel and the, and the, the ministry of the, the church and God, your plan. Lord, we're, we're, we're giving you praise. We don't thank you for it, but in this, we're giving you praise that God, you are yet present with us. You are ever present. Help. Come on, somebody help me out. Well, even though this is challenging and tough, Lord, help me. He says, if anyone lacks wisdom, if, if you're struggling, if, if you're lacking peace, Lord, I'm disturbed. Come on, you got to talk to him. He's Emmanuel. So the presence of God is reference. You can write down John 14 and 23. You can add uh, John 15 and 4. We'll, we'll look at that later. Um, the, and, and then on midweek experience, uh, on midweek Wednesday, mine was there, I'm, I'll drill down more with the meanings of talking about the presence of God and, and how that relates to our personal life and, and our walk with Christ. But I'll just give you some general meanings now. The presence of God representing the virtue of us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the, ho- the presence of God in the earth. And, and the Holy Spirit is given to those who have faith in Jesus Christ. See, this, this is the only way to have that kind of relationship with God. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then write, write this word down if you're taking notes, the omnipresence of God. What does that mean, the omnipresence of God? Many hear it, many Christians hear it, but they don't understand w- what it means. Now, if you look at the prefix of that word omni, omni means all. So when, when we're saying omnipresent, when the Scripture says that, we'll look at some reference to that. You can add Psalms 46 and 1 to that, Isaiah 57 and 15. I'll read those in just a moment. When we look at this, the prefix omni, we're saying that God is all present everywhere, that he's not just present with us in a special way, and that's the beauty about it. He's present with the believer in a special way, but he's present everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. There's another word, an uh, attribute of God, omnipotent, uh, omniscient, meaning he's, he's all-knowing. He's, he knows uh, everything. I mean, he's, he knows what you're going to, he knows our future before we know our future. Are you with me? So when we're talking about the omnipresence of God, when we look, when you're looking at the world, now it starts to shape your thinking and how you react and engage in your life. Don't, you, you, we got to be able to understand that God is in control. He's everywhere, but yet with the believers, he's with us, present in a very special way. Come on, say amen. And that's so unique. That's what makes the Christian faith different and unique from any other faith in the world. <laughs> that God is present with his people. Uh, it, you know, like, like that. Come on, somebody say Amen. Not, not just is he present, I mean actively present. So even though you may not see it, watch it. When we, watch out. Take care of being tempted into the weeds when we watch the news. And we see destruction and we see violence and we see people, you know, and you know, just all kinds of stuff. Let's not think, God, where are you? He's right. That God has, God has everything in control. 
everything. And see, God was gracious enough, God was gracious enough to give us the end of the story. <laughs> and he says that when I finish with, with this whole thing, all of it evil, death, hell is going to be cast in to the lake of fire. And, all, and we hear a phrase in the last uh, chapters of the book of Revelation, and all things are new and it is finished. There was a new Jerusalem, a new heaven and a new earth. And, and it didn't need a sun because God was his light. And never and ever again where there be the propensity of one to turn to evil because, see, by your free will, you chose him and we were rewarded. That's why he's going to wipe away our tears and, and forever seal that I will never be able to go bad again. There will never, ever be a ever devil, uh, devil again. Oh, God got it in control. It's just playing out. So I get my relative in one sense because he has that architectural engineering mind and he understands something about engineering and architect, which we fail a lot of times to understand, that this building was built before it was built. An engineer and architect understands that. They build things before they build things. And so before they built this building, they built it first. They, every nick and cranny, every pipe, and brick and tube and electrical wire was built and designed and laid out and approved and then they backed up and then they manifested what they already built. That's what we're reading in Genesis. See, it didn't all start with God in Genesis. It all started with us. God finished, backed up, and he started. Okay, everything's playing out. He got it in control. That's why he can be in the past, the present, and the future. That's omnipresence. See, and I'm just keeping this very, because this, it can get very theological, but I'm trying to get you to grasp the understanding who our God is. Not only is he the God maybe that's in the heavens, he's also the God with you. So we don't have to have this feeling, God, you're way up there, and I'm just down here struggling. No, he's God with us. We don't have to have this mentality uh, that, man, God, What's happening in the world and, and whoever's in office and whatever policy they're making, it doesn't matter who stands in that office, what policy that they make, God is with us and no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Evil has boundaries. See, it can only do so much. And so it's, we, we hear verses, don't fear the one that can hurt the body. Fear the one that can cast the body and the soul, the spirit in the, in the hell. See, what is man, don't feel the one that can hurt my body. Because look, y'all don't give me enough time here, I'm sorry, I'm almost out of time. See, I'm just scratching the surface. Look what Jesus said when they came to, to take him to the cross. He said, Peter, put your, put, put your 357 away. That's if he was in our day. You know, I don't think we'd be carrying swords. He would, Peter would have been, you know. <laughs> you know, he would have been like, <laughs> Jesus, you, you need me? <laughs> so Peter was rolling. I mean, I, I, hey, you know. <laughs> Peter probably, probably was kind of like me in this sense, you know. Hey, Jesus, I, I got you. He says, Peter, put your sword away. If I need you to defend me, I can call legions of angels down. 
Then he picks up the man's ear and puts it back on his head. See, we're missing something and not understanding that God got it. It was the song I get, we used to, they used to sing in the church. I came, God's got it. He's got it. And then the church get up and run. He's got it. And we all run around hollering. He got, he got it. And I mean, uh, we spend the whole circle running around. Got it. Something about the Holy Ghost. We going around. You know, and then walk out of there defeated like, you know, we just sung for hours. God got it. And then we walk out of there. Oh, God. We just sung. God got it. I remember one time in one of those meetings that I think the guy who wrote the song was actually singing it in our church. <laughs> well, he made it popular. Not this church. No, I mean, the church I came out of <laughs> back in the day. I mean, my wife said, that. People, oh, he came here to this church. No, no. Not this one, the one I came out of. I mean, it was jam-packed up in there. I mean, it's, I mean, packed. Hundreds of people up in there. And I'm sitting, you know, because I was one of the uh, you know, a minister, and I'm sitting on, over there. And he, I guess he felt in the spirit to come at me. And they were saying that song, God, got it. And boy, and he was a big guy. So he takes off running, foo, 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 and I'm, I'm like, oh, man. He grabs me in the middle of that circle. God, and we, he start, we start going, God, got it. I wind up on the floor, and then we see we still walk out of there acting like we just sung God, got it. See? We got to know he has it. You got to know he's omnipresent. And not just everywhere, but he's present with me in a special way. If you're born again, he's Emmanuel. He's God. God is with you if you're born again. We got to start acting like it more. Lord, help me to know this and act like this more. And help me to reduce my pity parties down. That I, that I, that I stop acting like that you're not with me. See, God, when you weep, he knows your sorrow. There's things that, that we may suffer because we suffer loss. We have heartaches. We, we have aches. We have pain. But he says, come unto me, and I'll give you rest. See, we got to utilize the access that God gave us and has given to us. You know, let, let's see how much, how much further I can go. So the omnipresence of God, meaning he's all present everywhere, continuous throughout creation. He has always been present, though he may not be revealed in the same way at the same time to people everywhere. But he's always present, though he may not be revealed in the same way everywhere to people everywhere. He's always present. Are you listening? I said, are you listening? So he's present all the time in every situation. Now, let's look at this verse in reference to that so you can have some scripture there when, about this. Psalms 46 and 1. Psalms 46 and 1. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. You see that there? God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Now let's at Isaiah 57, 15, uh, 15. Isaiah 57, 15. Listen to this. The high and lofty one who lives in eternal. I'm reading this from a different translation. New King James may say it slightly. I'm reading from the, uh, 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 the NLT. The high and lofty one 
who lives in eternity, the Holy One, says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. So we see two contrasts where God personally being present with us, yet the high and lifted up one. Come on, someone say amen. And then we have this, this where the Bible talks about the, the transcendence of God, meaning that God exists above all everything. He's transcendent. He's the only transcendent being. That means there's, God is not of the elements of the earth, uh, anything like that. He's beyond the universe. There's no beginning or time with God. He's the only true transcendent one. Uh, it, uh, this speaks of his holiness. So when you see in the Bible, it's talking about be ye holy, for God is holy. God is holy means he's transcendent. He is the other. That's the way it's translated in the Greek. The other. He's, he's not of this earth. He created the earth. He's not bound by time. All things, as it says in Hebrew, you can write this verse down, Hebrews 1 and 3. Everything is uphold by the word of his power, but nothing upholds him. He upholds himself. Come on, say Amen. See, so God is not just transcendent and the God who is up on high that we come up to, but he's also the God who's relationally, he says, I'm present with you. See, he's my refuge, like this song. He's my refuge and my strength, oh God of all creation. He's a refuge. And you, and you have to, you got to reshape your thinking that God is, renew your mind with that. The Lord is my helper. I can uh, tell you that every thing that I'm becoming that's good and right is because of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. If you knew the whole totality of my story or my wife's story or, or you know, even your story, see, I am becoming more like him. The more I walk with him, it will transform you into another person. What kind of person? A Christ-like person. See, it, it is the Holy Spirit that will train your intellect to comprehend and to think correctly, and to, and to function uh, at a high level in this world. Come on, to produce at a high level. Come on, somebody say amen. It is the Holy Spirit that enables the believer to, to last in a, a, a marriage or to a parent who may be single in the home and seem like it's taken. See, the Holy Spirit, would, you can receive grace to produce. Come on, say amen. See, God is with us. He's not just a God up there. <laughs> as some religions put it, they, they look at God as some being that they have to do all this stuff to try to get a third eye to see or reach up to obtain somewhat of Ivana. <laughs> you see all the stuff that's out there, people trying all this stuff, when simply all they have to return is to turn to the cross of Jesus Christ and experience God. The thief on the cross prayed a simple prayer. He didn't pray the deacon's prayer. Some of you say, what's the deacon's prayer? Well, you're going to have to find one of those deacons and ask him. It's different. Always include a little bit of, you know. The thief on the cross couldn't move his feet. He couldn't put his hands together. He couldn't get down on his knees. One thief rejects him and mocks him, still to his death, have the mentality of the world, just 
can't just rejected Jesus and, uh, and another simply said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's all he said. That verse we read in Isaiah, that's God was present. See, he was present and Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. So you may not pray it like I prayed it, but it must come from the same place of a sincere faith, heart, and trust towards God. Because it may be just that one line or all you can say. Maybe, you know, we all came into the kingdom through different experiences, but it had, we all had to come through the same point, repentance of sin and turning towards Jesus Christ and becoming born again. See, it took something a little different for me. Maybe it took a little I've seen people that all was said to them, you know what, Jesus loved you, and they broke down and gave their heart to Jesus Christ. I was told Jesus loved me from my youth. That wasn't enough probably for me, just for me being told. You know why? I mean, and I'm running out of time. I'm just trying to show you how God, see, he works differently. We got to stop ascribing problems and evils to, to God. And so you know why with me? Because all my life people told me that they loved me and they hurt me. So what's love to me? When you got, you know, all the male figures in your life, uncles, cousins, father. And they all take, and they, I said, well, this what it means? So I grew up with a complex, never getting affection, really, getting hugged. So I wasn't used to that, and I, and I became okay with it. <laughs> See, yours may be different, but I became okay with it so that when I met people and they say, hey, love you, man, I'm like, uh, all right. <laughs> and, but they have no idea. So my complex, my makeup is like, God loves me, but is this what love is? See, that's how the enemy plays. That's how the flesh plays on us. And then here I are, you know, I meet my wife. My wife, she's different. She's raised in a loving home and families all together, affection, you know. She's outgoing, got friends. Me, I'm like, man, wow. But see, you know, she, she's been working on me for, you know, 30-something years. <laughs> look at me today. Just look at me today. I mean, come on, just look at me today. But if you hadn't met me back in there when I was that young Marine, I was extremely modest. Wasn't, uh, didn't have religious bone in my body. Didn't want to have nothing to do with God. Matter of fact, I, I, I just thought it was just all a big, you know, man, these people are all confused. They all carry the same Bible and they can't even agree. And then they want to say, love you, man. <laughs> I'm like, you don't know me. How are you going to love me? And even to this day, I have to deal with it when I hear the brother, hey, love you, man. I'm like, and, I, and so I, I'm getting better. I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> and, but, but people say, I'm telling you a little secret. See, it let you in something about me personally. But see, people probably never noticed that about me. Because I struggle with that all my life, of people telling me that they love me. And then they turn around and they hurt me or stab me in the back. Because I was the type of person, I remember my mother telling me when I was a boy, son, and it seemed like mothers, they just, they just know that, son, you got a, you got a big heart, and you got to be careful, son, because you're the type that when someone say that your friend, you believe them, you trust them, you got a big heart, but you're going to wind up, people are going to wind up hurting you, but you got to be, I remember her telling me this as a boy, it didn't make sense to me, but yeah. So when God says he loved me, see, that's the first thing 
that my heart and life was open to, me experiencing God as my Father and my Lord. And I fell in love with you. When he opened my heart and my, I mean, I just, see, so fell, started to experience what it means to have. So, see, see, again, I'm just highlighting things. So we got all kinds of different issues. Follow this home, or you had your father. See, it doesn't matter what your condition or circumstances is. God is not just the God who's present everywhere, or the God up there. He wants to be with you, Emmanuel. And he's, our, he's the answer. He's Emmanuel. And when God is with you, then we have the math. We got Matthew 6.33. All things is working together for my good. You're single. All things is working together. You're a parent, single parent. All things is working. Both parents in the home. All things are working together for my good. Got children. All things is working together for my God is with me. I can do all things through Christ. You got to work your access. The grace that God has given you. See, God loves, how, how can I say, John, for God so loved the world, he gave them his only begotten son. Let me squeeze a couple more now. I'm just scratching. So that's the, we're talking about the God's transcendence. Add this verse, Isaiah 55 and 8. 55 and 8 is a, as an example of we're talking about God's transcendence. He's the only true transcendent being. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways far beyond anything you can imagine. See, that's talking about then he's, you know, he's the only tr true transcendent God. But yet, we can come to know who God is because he's in a special way makes himself present to us. Yeah, come on, say amen. And I, I, I'll give you this, this last uh, definition as we talk about the presence of God. So as we build on this, you have an understanding at some level. The imminence of God. Now, there's another expression you see, the imminence. Now, don't confuse the imminence with God with imminent, like I-M-I-I-M-M-I. -I -I. I'm talking about I-M-M-A-N-E-N-C-E. So when we talk about the imminence of God, it's referring to his presence uh, within creation, throughout creation. It's similar to omnipresence, the omnipresence of God. And this is where we, this ideal of God shows up in many different ways in our modern time incorrectly. Now, I'm not going to call out some of the, the, the doctrinal names of the, that represents these institutions, but I'm going to describe them, and you may say, oh, that sounds like... So some people believe, when, you, when they talk about the presence of God, they believe that everything is God or is part of God, making him equal, but it makes him equal, and they think it makes him equal with creation. So, you, you know, there's certain ideas, you know, out there, transcendental meditation, all these other different ideas that may think that God is in creation, makes him equal with God, therefore makes us all God, you know, crazy stuff like that. And so, but when we talk about the imminence of God from a biblical point of view, it's talking about how everything is in existence because of God. God is, even though he's transcendent, he's, his imminence is, is in the fact that, you know, God is present even 
in his creation, even though he's transcendent, he's, he's, his eminence here, he's present. And not only that, not only is he present over there in Africa, Asia, or, you know, uh, you know uh, Israel, or Middle East, he's present with me in a special way. Come on, say amen. He's God with us. Come on, somebody say amen. See, the eminence of God. Now, I want you to, I'll, I'll, because of the, I got a few minutes, act. go to Acts chapter 17. And so let's, let's give you, I'm going to give you this, this summary so you can you take this with you as you meditate on this of what we talked about here this morning. God is present, but God is also everywhere present. And that's the correct understanding we should have. But even though he may be present and everywhere present, he is present with us in that special way if you're a born-again believer. See, God is everywhere, yet he is present with us personally this way. Look at Acts chapter 17, verse 24. See, dealing with God can do more than I can imagine. Wow. So don't get stuck with, man, I, God, I don't know how to pray about this. Well, this is where you learn how to just pray in the Spirit. Start with praying this word, and, and in your own, your own words, you begin to speak and talk to God. God who made the world. This is Acts 17, verse 24. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men, men's hands, and though he indeed and though he need, as though he needed anything, he gives to all life, breath, and all things. So even here, we're, we're seeing the transcendence of God, the eminence of God, his omnipresence. But then it, it, we're going to see that personal, that, person, that, that personal relationship. Verse 26, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell. If you go back up to verse 25, nor is he worshiped with man. It says, he, it says in that last part of that verse, he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And then verse 26, and he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and their boundaries are dwell, and their dwelling place. Now, that's a whole other message in themselves that people take uh, in the wrong direction. So that they should seek the Lord. See, that's what it's all about. That we would seek the Lord, have a relationship with him, in the hopes that we might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. So we see that God being not just transcendent, omnipresent, you know, uh, he's not, not, not only his eminence, not only is he holy, there's some God that's way up there, but see, he's Emmanuel right with me right now. He can be found. He's not far from you and I. For in him we live. Look at, that pers- look at that personal touch right there, that special way. In him we live and move and have our being. And also some of, our, some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Verse 29, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to, come on, say that word with me. Now this is, uh, come on, we are, come on, come on, let's, come on, let's, come on, let's track it with me. Come on, we are not to what? Come on, come on. That's about three of you. Now we know the answer. All right, class, we are not to what? Think. We are not to what? It's a, now, we are to think, but we are not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver. Or See, everybody thinks, but not everybody thinks the right thing. So we got to shift our thinking about who our God is. So God 
is present everywhere. But he is also present in a very, come on, stand to your feet, in a very unique and special way in the life of every believer. See, when we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, in which is essentially is the presence of God, he is not just present. He is, he is present in relationship with us as a born-again believer. And when we see Jesus come on the scene, God is saying, this is, look at him. This is the model. See, we can look at Jesus as the model of God relation to, to, to us as humans. See, and, and my prayer is, I hope you, you heard that in your, your heart. And, and, and it, it brings a, that understanding that, you know what, God can do more than I can imagine. And he's more than the problem that I'm facing maybe at the moment or this experience. <clears throat> God is more than all these, uh, these challenges we're, we're seeing in, the, in, the, in this world. He's not just this God that's way up there. And I'm just down, we're just down here struggling. No, not only is he the God I raised my hands to up on high, he is with me. Don't say amen. So let us not think that it's all about me. I have to do this, this, and that. But as it says, you know, that the divine nature is like gold, silver, or stone, something shaped by art and man's divine. So this is God's choice. <laughs> this is God's choice. This is God's saying, I want to be with you. So he says, come. He calls us in relationship. He says, why is now the, the daylight before time runs out? Because there's coming a day where if those who don't accept the invitation to walk with God and get to know God, the world will be closed. Aren't you glad that you're saved? <laughs> okay, yeah, well, I said, so come on, let's pray together. If, if you don't have, whether you're listening by live stream or on demand, present in the house, you don't have a authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you, 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 if you've been feeling like, whether young or old, and where is God? Uh, God is, is out in the stratosphere somewhere, and, and I'm down here just on my own trying to make it happen. Now, Jesus is saying that come unto me, I'll give you rest. So you come and know God. So Lord, I, I pray for any person at the sound of my voice who does, does not have an authentic relationship with you that they come into one another. And the way that happens is you must first acknowledge that you're a sinner. And, and, and the only way we can really come into that realization is like Isaiah, when he saw God, he said, man, I am undone. When, when, a, when a man, when a woman, when a person becomes honest with themselves and they stand before this holy God, and that is to, to do that through Jesus Christ. Man, he sent his son for my sins and my sins. I was the guilty one. When we come understanding that, that I'm a sinner, 